Hi, I'm Pat Rulo, author, speaker, and radio host of Speak Up Talk Radio. I'm local and vocal when it comes to healthcare safety. If you need a life-changing topic and speaker for your next event, call me, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Let me share what I know with your group, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Today, I'm thrilled, just thrilled to share my friend with you, a like-minded hand washer. And one thing I can tell you for sure is that his hands are clean. That's good to know. Let me tell you a bit about him. He is Dr. Will Sawyer. He practices family medicine in Cincinnati, Ohio, and is the founder of Henry the Hand Foundation, a grassroots nonprofit organization to share Henry's hand awareness message with children and adults across the globe. And when I first paid a visit to his website and read the statement, spread the word, not the germs, (laughs) I just knew that Dr. Will and I were on the same page. So it is with great pleasure to welcome you to the show, Dr. Will. Hey, thank you very much, Pat. Oh my, so much to talk about today, and you and I love to talk about washing hands, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Clean hands save lives, prevent disease. You got it. And you know, I always explain that the reasons why patients must ask their healthcare providers to wash their hands before touching them is the whole cross-contamination idea. But then I read something very interesting on your website that really rings true for most people. And you say very few patients are going to question their nurse or physician about hand hygiene because creating potential conflict in a vulnerable position is counterintuitive to human behavior. And I guess I really never thought about it in those terms. So what do you suggest? How can a patient successfully communicate to their doctor or nurse that that person must wash their hands prior to touching them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because you're absolutely correct. We are sort of risk averse and we're social animals and we don't really want to be confrontational, most of us anyway. And we're relying and we want to trust the healthcare workers who are taking care of us and about, and even surgeons are about to operate on us. So what we want to do is just tweak their consciousness, if you will, and prompt them with some sort of a prompt. And some people just raise their hands. Some others in children's hospitals that we've worked with, we, have, we call it puppets for patients. We have puppets and you can triangulate so that the mere presence of a hand or a hand puppet can, you know, calls the attention to the healthcare worker so you actually don't even have to ask them. Mm-hmm. 
It helps change their behavior. They're very busy. They're distracted. Unfortunately, today they have too many goals and tasks they have to accomplish while taking care of us as patients in the hospital in the same amount of time. So hand hygiene seems to be sacrificed there, unfortunately, which is the most critical part of health care in the hospital for patients because what's the number one problem patients suffer from in the hospital? Mm-hmm. And the answer is hospital-acquired infections or healthcare-associated infections, and it's a catastrophe for some patients, which should not happen. Absolutely. And we talk about this all the time on the program, just trying to crack that nut. And I saw on your website, again, that you did a presentation called Hand Awareness, Non-Pharmaceutical Approach to Prevent Human Illness and Transmission of Emerging Pathogens. And I think that's huge because often within the hospital, you'll find what we're just saying, that the providers do not wash their hands and therefore create infection opportunities that can only be solved with pharmaceutical drugs. And many times those are antibiotics, which then create more problems such as C. diff. So why why is that simple task of hand washing such a difficult thing for healthcare institutions to implement on a consistent basis? It's a million dollar question. A great question, but and what it is, it's a cultural issue, frankly. Mm-hmm. And if in the hospitals, you know, they some are better at trying to achieve what's called a culture of safety, and others are simply a culture of throughput. And so, unfortunately, in the time of electronic medical records and technology has invaded the uh, patient's room, that's actually caused more opportunities for cross-contamination by organisms that you can't see, and they come from the hands of healthcare workers who came from down the hall. Mm -hmm. Now, they've tried to solve some of this. The WHO has the five moments of hand hygiene. At a certain level, many of us are saying that's really too complicated. They've made it too complicated. What we really need to say is there's only one moment for hand hygiene, and that's immediately before you touch the patient. Not when you gel in, gel out, or any of these other variables that everybody's trying to remember, and they change at different hospitals. And if you go to different hospitals, you're not sure what are the rules and guidelines. But we do know it's the one consistent one is immediately before you touch the patient. Now, that is a shift of many systems, but... I think we can do it. I think we need to engage patients in this and empower them. And so what we've tried to do is bring humor into this. And that's where Henry's the hand as a character educator. Mm-hmm. You know, you laugh, you get, it's a little humorous, and it cuts down the tension in the room. And it may help engage patients and family members to say, hey, hey, Henry, you know, we've, in the local hospital I admit to, we've put, I put posters on the walls when I have patients in there. And they're right there in the doorway, adhering to the door. It says germs on your hand, and it's Henry. And that sort of gets attention, and that absolutely helps improve compliance. But it needs to be absolutely zero tolerance for noncompliance. See, I like the idea of the posters because, again, that takes that confrontational aspect away from it. Even a family member in the room could just look at the poster if the doctor doesn't wash the hands and say, you know what, Henry wouldn't like that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then it triangulates, so it's not confronting the individual. It's saying, hey, Henry said, or mm-hmm. Henry this, or let's blame it on Henry. He's got broad shoulders, yep. although he's a hand, right? Right, it's like having your little invisible friend do the dirty work for you, right? Right.
Right. Exactly. <laughs> so what caused you to even be concerned about this? I know you that you have a family practice yourself. Right. Um, what spurred this passion for hand washing and the whole cross-contamination idea? The big picture, it started when uh, my children were in daycare in the late 80s and 90s, and it's grown and morphed and, and improved, and it's the same four principles of hand awareness. And as I've been admitting to hospital in this area since 1986, I've seen changes and I've seen the chaos that's been increased in the hospital setting. And it's not malicious, it's just what uh, technology has done. So what I've seen is we need to slow down a bit, the clinicians do, nurses and physicians, to pay much more attention to the patients in the room. So we have to use other technologies and strategies to help get that awareness, and some are using electronic monitoring and badges and trying to track it that way, but there's still a lot of work around. Mm-hmm. So, and it's still critical. I've seen way too many patients suffer, quote, at the hands of nurses and physicians. So it's, it's time to change that. It is time to change that, and I'm hoping folks take heed as to what you and I are saying today, because this is extremely important. It could really, really cut down on hospital-acquired infections, almost to the point of zero if everyone were to be compliant. Right. And it's simple. Explain your four principles of hand awareness. Okay, the four principles of hand awareness are, number one, wash your hands before you eat when they're dirty. Okay. Number two is do not cough into your hands. That's how you you can spread germs. Number three is do not sneeze into your hands. And number four is above all, do not put your fingers in your eyes, nose, or mouth. The mucous membranes of your eyes, nose, or mouth is how you give yourself all respiratory infections. Flu, pertussis, measles, mumps, just to name a few that were epidemics last year and some this year already. It's about hand awareness, knowing where they are and what they're doing at all times. Boy, and people don't realize that. I was just at the store the other day, and this gal was very sick at the cash register, was coughing away in her hands, then made the change and handed us the bag. I almost felt like running out and leaving my purchases <laughs> there, you know? They're germ weapons they become at that point, so... It, it's kind. It's kind of rough when you become so aware that you are really aware. <laughs> it is. It's very hard. I always tell people I don't think I don't know whether I was born or burned with this too, <laughs> but it's something that that awareness. More, if most of us had it, it would certainly make a difference. And those of us who are highly trained in healthcare, it should be a requirement for admission to nursing and medical school to be hand aware. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes, absolutely. And your fourth principle was, above all, do not put your fingers in your eyes, nose, or mouth. And you call that the T-zone. The two eyes make the top line of the T and then the nose and the mouth. So let's right. talk about that T-zone for another moment or so. Yeah, the T-zone, it's a, it's a great visual cue so that we can all see this. What we wanted to do is make it easier instead of a whole mouthful of mucous membranes of your eyes, nose, and mouth. And that habit, which is a habit, and just watch everybody around the room. People are rubbing, picking, licking, biting, and it's, they just don't, they can't help it. I say it's an unconscious behavior because no one would willingly and knowingly give themselves a virulent organism that could lead to, lead to mortality. Mm-hmm. And they, we have tools that we've developed to help you change that, which is one of them is a health shield that I used to wear on rounds in the hospital for a year and after the nurses had, were concerned what's happened to Dr. Sawyer, has he gone over the edge? <laughs> I would explain to them that 
you know, MRSA, colonization of your nose, the only way it gets there is you put it there. So no one wants to take MRSA home to their family. And the same issues are going on. C. diff, they're concerns about that, mm-hmm. colonization and others that, gosh, we're taking it out into the community now. Right, right. We talk about community-acquired infections. I mean, you see people that are wearing their scrubs from the hospital, then they're in the grocery store handling the fruit. And Now, that Henry's Health Shield is very cool that you just mentioned. You, you have it on your website. It's like a plastic shield that comes over your face, like a little headband over your head, and then a little plastic shield. Yeah, and you look a little silly with it, but next time you go to try to touch your eyes, nose, or mouth, you're going to hit that plastic. And again, you're going to train yourself not to do that, or at least be aware. Right. Yes, it's a training tool. It, it, it serves as two purposes. One is that as a training tool for those who are not aware. And then the second is it's a protective mechanism and method for when you're with patients who are sick and they're within three feet of you and coughing and sneezing and you're just concerned about it. And it can be very helpful. The other piece that's very interesting about the health shield is now that uh, many hospitals are mandating flu vaccine to try to prevent the flu, which now we know it doesn't, mm-hmm. but the recommendation I have is for those who are concerned, they should use a health shield as part of the equipment in the hospital so they don't give themselves any organism, whether it's at work, and they are training themselves so when they get home they won't give themselves an organism or germ from the children or their family members who have brought it from work or school because that's a big problem with healthcare workers who are sick going to work sick mm-hmm. in the hospital. Now that health shield, anybody could purchase that. It's it's not just for hospitals or doctors or nurses, right? Correct. No, anybody can can purchase it. You know, it's really, the, and we have it in school kits for children to learn so that in 20 years we'll be safer in healthcare. We we did some studies a few years ago in physicians' offices observing physicians and their staff about how many times they touch their facial mucous membranes. We found, which was very interesting, is many of these uh, healthcare workers, physicians, and nurses didn't think they did mm-hmm. do this, but observations are everyone did and up to 19 times an hour. So it's an opportunity for them to learn and protect themselves and, frankly, teach patients that. While you're giving the flu vaccine, you can then say, hey, did you know about the T-zone and yeah. the portal of entry and how they can retrain themselves? So, I mean, they're really reasonable. Yeah, and they can be used over and over and over and over again yeah. repeatedly because, again, you're not putting anything from the shield in your eyes, nose, and mouth. It's a protective mechanism. Right, so right. It's not that it's a one-use. What's interesting, there are, there are these masks and sort of half shields in hospitals that are only one use, and, and it's a mask that covers your mouth and all, and, and people sometimes can't understand you because they can't read your lips or right. hear you, you're muffled, and so it really is a better um, tool, if you will, to use otherwise. Some of the, the simplest solutions are the most uh, appropriate and the best, actually. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of very cool products, such as that health shield, at henrythehand.com, henrythehand.com. Now, you've got programs specific to certain groups, and I want you to just give us a little bit of short advice for each of the entities that you actually have training programs for. That would be students, parents, schools, public health, food service, and health care. So give us a little bit of advice for students. Yeah, so the young students, they are also following what the adults are doing. And so the, the strategy is within these training toolkits, we have demonstrations that are memorable and they don't forget. So we have 
a uh, respiratory etiquette atomizer, which is a spray bottle that you cough and sneeze and spray and mist all over people, and they get the idea of, well, gosh, when you cough and sneeze, droplets come out and land on surfaces and people, and, oh, my gosh, you should cover a cough and sneeze. So they get that message directly. It's a direct response. And then there's another one, Glow Germ, which is a fluorescent lotion with a black light we use, so you can now see the germs on your hand and on surfaces that you've touched with this black light. So now, wow, these germs become visible. And the children don't, and adults, frankly, don't forget that. Mm-hmm. So we utilize that, and then we use some other video, and songs and, and other techniques for reinforcing this, and stickers and tattoos. And, and we get in puppetry, and we get people to you know, talk to the hand and just let's communicate and let's talk about our hands. It, it's okay, and we want to let people know it is okay to talk about your hand behavior. Mm-hmm. So when the, you know, you know the, your young child in the bathroom says, oh, my gosh, Mommy, they didn't wash their hands, and you're going, oh, my gosh, don't say that. <laughs> right. You should actually say, you're correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. So that's some advice for parents as well, right? It's for parents as well. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do is give parents a very cookie-cutter way to teach their children and reinforce it for themselves. And what we're also trying to encourage are the high schoolers who need community service to teach the younger children. And in the fact that they're teaching, they're now learning themselves because we know high school students think they know it all Mm -hmm. and you can't teach them anything. So, and the parents, frankly, and and there's a, a toolkit that they can take to work because the same issue occurs at work. Yes. You know, Cross-contamination, Chuck Gerba, you know, Dr. Germ, he's a microbiologist. Yeah, he's been on our show many times. Oh, good. Yeah. He, is it 24 hours after somebody is sick and it comes into the office setting, 90% of the surfaces are contaminated. Yeah. So yeah. imagine you can follow behind somebody who's sick because they had to come to work, and now if you have a habit of touching your T-zone, you now are at risk for giving yourself that germ. And next thing you know, you're sick, and you take it home, and the family gets sick. It's just the domino effect is just staggering, frankly. So companies and businesses would be wise to use your services as well because you want to improve presenteeism and, and reduce absenteeism. This would it. be a simple it idea as well. Improves productivity. Yeah. They're very interesting. So here's a statistic. It's incredible. So the 2009-10 pandemic year that never happened, the H1N1 pandemic, during that year, there are many big box stores that I know of because of what I do and who we work with could not sell cold and flu medication that year. They also could not keep soap, sanitizer, wipes, and paper towels on the shelf. And of interest, hardly any schools in the country closed that year. Mm. And productivity was up for businesses. Unbelievable year. Interesting, huh? But we don't talk about that anymore for some reason. Exactly. Well, there's a, and so then you work with food service people? With some food service. Yeah. They're very particular in how they do it, but the kids who work in food service like the use of the tattoos and mm-hmm. posters and yeah. Yeah, that would go over well. And then obviously healthcare workers. Is that your biggest chunk of work? Probably, well, that's a good question. So the healthcare workers certainly use it. Uh, school nurses love the program. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every school, daycares are, are starting to see this more. And parent involvement, parental involvement, again, back to the, you know, if your children are sick, 
you have to stay home from work or you become sick and you have to stay home because you're sick and the whole productivity issue at work and mm-hmm. and that's where the whole healthcare worker going to work sick and puts patients at risk because yeah, they have to go to work and unfortunately I, you know, too many nurses have told me how they get written up if they don't show up for work and I, even if they're sick and I'm, it's appalling the CDC says no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Wow, how wrong is that? Yeah. Yeah. The conflict. It's a big conflict between the employee health side and infection preventionists and hospitals mm-hmm. who are usually one and the same. Interesting. That's interesting. So they're, con- they're conflicted, and I think we need to help them with that by making it a much more public issue about the whole sickness and coming to work sick, and there are plenty of papers that we have that have talked about this. So it's something that needs to change soon. Well, if anyone can do it, it's going to be you and Henry, right? Yeah, we're trying to keep <laughs> up, but we need your help. Everybody out there listening, we need your help to spread the word, not the germ, so to speak, and to help those infection preventionists who are working very hard, but they certainly need the support of their administration to say, gee, that does make sense in good health. Right, right. And there's nothing wrong with the patient speaking up. And now that you've heard what we have to say, they can go to their healthcare provider and say, hey, you need to go to henrythehand.com. It's really a fun and colorful site. And there's really neat gift ideas and training ideas, t-shirts, posters, bracelets, puppets, toolkits. So you've got to go there, henrythehand.com. Will, Thank you so much for sharing you and Henry with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for doing it. This is wonderful, and thank you very much. Thanks for helping spread the word, not the not germ. germ. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Hi there, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the voice of Mrs. Green on the airwaves, and I would love for you to become a part of my world. We love to educate, inspire, and engage people about things like the faceless villain of climate change and lots of other topics that I know will interest you. Our guests will fill you up with hope, possibility, and ways that you can make a difference in your everyday life and that will make a difference for this great planet of ours. Please visit my website at mrsgreensworld.com to learn more and to become a part of our world. Well, how was that for some good hand-washing information? You know, as we've discussed, hand hygiene is the most important component in the prevention of hospital-acquired infections. Not only in the hospital, but if you go to your doctor's office, anywhere out in public, hand-washing rules. So with that, and with the thought of cross-contamination and infections, which just happens to be my hot button, because as many of you know, During uh, the four months that my mom was in the hospital way back when, she contracted every hospital-acquired infection that there was. It was like a uh, menu. Would you like MRSA? We'll take it. How about some C. diff? Yes, add that. How about some central line-associated bloodstream infections? Yes, we'll take a few of those. Hospital-acquired pneumonia? Yep, I need that. Ventilator-associated pneumonia? Oh, for sure. Klebsiella? catheter-associated urinary tract infections, (laughs) many of those. How about some surgical site infections, IV site infections, injection site infections? So with that experience and with the knowledge that I have, I've written a new book. It is called Healthcare Acquired Infections, The Troublemakers and How to Avoid Them. You know, to help you better understand each of the infections, 
that I thought I would outline each one in this new book. And I've included very specific bullet points for you to take heed. Things like symptoms. What symptoms should you look for? What are the causes? The risk factors. How would you know if you were at risk for one of these infections? What about the complications? The diagnosis. How is this infection diagnosed? The treatment options, prevention, and most importantly, at the end of every chapter for each of the infections that I discuss, questions to ask your doctor. This way you'll already know. You won't have to think, gee, how do I phrase that? What should I ask? It's already filled out in this book for you. It's a quick, easy to read book, and it's only $10. I've made it affordable. It's a companion guide, really, for my main book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, but it also serves as a standalone as well. Just bring it to the hospital with you. Lay it on the tray table. Everyone that walks in is going to say, what is that all about? And that opens up the conversation where you could say, I am concerned about healthcare-acquired infections. Please wash your hands before touching me. It's a great opener. So anyway, I discuss MRSA and C. diff, central line-associated infections, hospital-acquired pneumonias, urinary tract infections, sepsis, just so many infections you can get in the hospital. And it's actually not a matter of if, it's really a matter of when, because these buggers live in the hospital and you can expect to find them there just as well as you would expect to find me at my house. So get a copy of this book, extremely, extremely important, Healthcare Acquired Infections, found at the website, speakupandstayalive.com speakupandstayalive.com. Go to the shop page. There you'll find a little link that says buy now. $10, a couple bucks for shipping, and you will be safe. It's like insurance. You know, we insure packages in the mail. We insure our luggage. Do we ever insure ourselves and our safety when we go to the hospital? Uh, no. $10. And there you go. A little bit of safety, a little bit of insurance. Healthcare Acquired Infections, The Troublemakers, and How to Avoid Them, only $10 at the website, speakupandstayalive.com, or you can call me to order, 440-725-5462. That is 440-725-5462. And now we are out of time, as always. But come back next week, same time, same place, but never the same information. And until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice.